0: Romans 15, 13 says, Now may the God of hope fill you. Say filled. That is the title of today's message, filled. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit. Last week, we talked about the need for us individually, personally, to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, to be filled. Today, we're going to talk about corporately, as the body of Christ, our deep desperation for the Holy Spirit in the church of God. To be able to be the church of God. Not some man-made institution. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. How do you get filled? You believe. And what do you get filled with? The Holy Spirit and what does he bring? Joy and peace that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. These are things that we all need in our life. I wonder last week as we closed around closed the service I guess at Eleven forty-five officially closed, but I said we'd leave the altars open, and and a good portion of the church stayed till at least twelve fifteen, some to twelve thirty, in prayer and uh, coming to the altar. Just why is that? Do you suppose? Could there be? Might there be? A hunger for this joy and this peace and this power in this full gospel church. Darest might thou be a spirit of revival. Like when those kids came to chapel at Ashbury College. They just came to a service. They couldn't leave. They stayed, and they stayed, and they stayed. The hunger for God. A hunger for more. That's what I'm believing for. I believe as a church, if we're not excited about the things of God, we're certainly not going to be able to convince anybody else to be excited about the things of God. If we don't have the power of God, we have nothing to offer this world. We're just as lost as they are. But we have the power of the resurrection. We have the power of salvation. We have the power of the gospel. We have the power of the Holy Spirit living in our hearts. The power of God within us. Y'all remember all the fads back in the 70s and the 80s? That was, I'm, I'm dating myself, but that was when I was young, and I was into fads, just like all the other kids my age. There was disco, yeah, I had my bell bottoms, and silk shirts with all the prints on them, you know, and unbutton it down to here with my gold, fake gold necklace. Yeah, I didn't have no gold back here, <laughs> but I remember somewhere along the way, uh, cowboy hats, and urban cowboy came out, and all that kind of stuff, and Everybody wanted to be a cowboy all of a sudden. And so we convinced our mama, we, you know, we, me and my little brother live with our mama in Memphis. We said, come on, let's go down to Southland Mall and get us some cowboy hats, mama. Now that sounds ridiculous. She said, well, you know, we only got so much money to eat on this week, and we ain't got any money in the budget for anything but eating. But secretly, mama wanted a cowboy hat too. So she brought us down to Southland Mall and we couldn't afford the nice felt ones, but we got those straw hats that with the pre-bent bin uh, on the bill that made you look like a lonesome cow hand, you know, as you walked along. And then I saw some feathers that go on the caps and we convinced her to get those, you know, and she was pulling her last few dollars out and bought us. I had one look like a plume of a, a ostrich or something going all the way around my hat and and then we were about to leave, and I noticed a rack of leather jackets. At least I thought they were leather. When I looked on the inside, it said, Genuine Imitation Pleather. <laughs> <laughs> Big old thick boyong jackets is what I had gotten to call them, because if you if you dropped one, they were made out of so much rubber, they were liable to jump back up on you, boyong. <laughs> But I said, Mama, look, these are only $4. But they were on sale. I mean, it being 9 to June or July, all of a sudden, you know, already. You know, they were on the budget rack for $4. She said, we don't have any more money to spend. I said, Mama, we can always eat later. <laughs> but we ain't always going to get a $4 leather jacket. So we all got jackets. Well, Mama did, not but she got me and the boy, my, our little brother one. We thought we were special. Walking around sweating in them pleather jackets. <laughs> we would get into all of those fans. What about, did anybody in here have a CB radio? You were not a trucker, but you still had one? Mama had a home base. She knew all the truckers. Her, her uh, what do you call it, handle? Misty blue. I still remember. It. She had all the truckers. Handles Memorized. What about shag carpet? Anybody have shag carpet? We had shag carpet on the dashboard of our car. What you talking about? (laughs) We had one of those old Kojak cars, a yellow Buick Century. What about roller skating? Some of y'all still roller skating. I think Anita broke your back a couple years back, (laughs) roller skating. Now, I didn't get into the pet rocks or the chia pets. But. <laughs> but these things, they come and then they go. And what I've learned about man's fickle life is that his plans are fleeting, and often his plans are fruitless. And I don't think the world today needs a fleeting, fruitless, fickle church. Not a man-made, pleather church. Not a man-made, genuine, imitation church. What the people need today is they need to see God. God in you and God in the house. I mean, I'm... I'm growing more and more intense on the inside. Hastening the day that we see the power of God in this church. That we see revival in the hearts of every person in this church. That is what God wants to do in the church. Now man, he may claim that he wants a more sophisticated church more sophisticated experience at church, a controlled burn, you see, not too much of God, not too much of his power, we don't, you know, I don't know if we can stand miracles and all that, we'll take just enough to get us to next Sunday, and then they wonder why they leave on Sunday so dry and empty and cold church hopping from one church to the next. They're looking for experience, but they don't want to have an experience. They're looking for something. They don't know what it is, but but they won't let it happen what they're looking for. People need the real thing. And that is why the church has become irrelevant in America today in many regards. The people... Or following the whims of the people. Not the God of the church. Not the God of the people. There's a religious streak in folks that wants to tamp down anything that their natural flesh can't explain away. I don't know why that is. And it's not just the people. It's it's the leaders in the church oftentimes. There's... Preachers, I always listen to AM radio preaching. I, I rarely listen to music in my car. And I, and I listen and there's these radio preachers. Are, I like them. Man, I agree with 99% of everything that they say. Strong preachers. I learn from them. I appreciate them. But it always seems to me that every time they get to the part about the Holy Spirit, they back off. Oh, if you should mention praying in the Spirit or tongues or the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they, they back off. And the, it's like they try to explain things away that the Bible says clearly. And they got a different interpretation. And I know that the devil has brought much division in the church over simple things like Tongues. And there's probably many people here today that say I don't believe in that. I didn't know this church believed in that. I don't, and that's okay. What what did we say in our next step class? Uh, there must be unity in the essential things, but there there's freedom in the non-essential things. You can believe what you want to believe, but there should be love in all things. We can love each other without agreeing on all of this. Okay. I can love those radio preachers, love to hear from them. I can invite, I can tell people to go to their church with very little qualms. But I think there's a need to bridge the gap because there's something missing that we must recognize. It's the power that God sent to the earth for the church. He's the architect of the church, and we're excluding him from the building process. I, I I don't want any division. I don't want to argue against anybody. And if you don't believe the way I believe, that's okay. Um, but let me show you some things in Scripture, all right? People get confrontational about tongues. and That seems to be the sticking point because it's something that it doesn't seem normal to people it doesn't seem right just, and and you people have said it is from the devil and who's telling them to say that the devil right because th- that's not what the word of god says and so i can't agree i may i love you but i can't agree that that praying in my private prayer language in the, in tongues is is just babble it's just an emotional experience. I can't agree with you because see I'm swimming in that pool and I know there's water in it, and you can't tell me there's not. See, I know it's real. I'm coming from a place of experience. And a lot of people are just coming from a place of excuse. Do you see what I'm saying? They just don't they don't know yet. They they haven't experienced it. I think. The main scripture used for people to say, you know, no, tongues is not for the modern church, is in 1 Corinthians 14, where Paul says, I'd rather speak five words in a known language than a thousand words in tongues in the church. And guess what? I agree with that totally. Do you see me up here preaching in tongues? I would look like a fool. You would not understand a word I said, and you would leave and say, these people are barbarians. I agree with that. But do you see other things that he says in that same passage? He's just saying, well, I didn't know if we were going to do this, but let me show you a few things, other things it says about tongues. And before, there, before I go there, I'm just hitting it right on the nail on the head today. I mean, I'm going for it today, right? What what I think a lot of people don't understand is they think that the gifts of tongues and interpretation is the same thing as people praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues. And so when, when they don't know that that's two different things, they think if somebody's praying in tongues, oh, you better interpret that. And if you don't, you're wrong. Which they would be right if it was just one thing. But see, we're given a private prayer language called tongues and and that is something that between you and God and I'm fixing to show you a few things the Bible says about that and and I, I would welcome each one of you to read first Corinthians chapter 14 in its entirety I'm just going to skip through Anita you can, if you can keep up you keep up but if not don't worry about it they're going to read it for themselves because in verse one it says that love should be our highest goal, and I'm making that clear right I love you whether you believe like I believe or not. And we're going to love you in this church. This is not a dividing point. But you should also desire the special abilities that the Spirit gives. Verse 1. Verse 2 says, For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God. So when you pray in, in tongues you're talking to god you're bypassing your head you don't understand it it's a it's a trust thing you're saying holy spirit you're in there i don't understand this language but i'm going to give mouth to it because you you're giving me this special ability to sp- pray to who god. to god Let's see, it goes on, and says, you will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, and that's the capital S, Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Not your spirit, but you will be speaking by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you want to speak by the power of the Holy Spirit? Verse 4 says, a person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. It is building you up in your inner man. It is, it is uh, life-giving water to your spirit man. It's making you stronger. And, and it, it goes on and says you know, I'm just, I'm selective scriptures here, but I want you to see that you can't deny that this is what it says. It says that, you know, that's why we don't do it in church because I'm not up here to personally be edified while you sit out there and say, well, I don't know what he's saying. Right? Okay, but does it not say that it edifies you? It builds you up. So, so shouldn't we want that? We may not do it in church, on the microphone, but we should want to edify ourselves in the Holy Spirit. Verse five says, this is the Apostle Paul. Now, you judge for yourself. I wish you all speak in tongues. I wish you, I wish you could all speak in tongues." Not sure how you deny that one. Verse 14, he says, For if I pray in tongues, you remember there's praying in tongues and then there's a the gift of tongues interpretation, two different things. For if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I'm saying. But does that make it wrong? No, you're giving the Holy Spirit a chance to pray. I don't know what I'm praying. When that ambulance comes by, I don't know what I should pray in my natural but the Holy Spirit in me knows that person by name. Can quote their DNA codes. He knows, I'll let him pray this out. Verse 15 says, well then, what should I do? I will pray in the Spirit and I will pray in words I understand. I will sing in the Spirit and I will sing in words that I understand. There's two different things, right? For if you praise God only in the spirit, how can those who don't understand you praise God along with you? How can they join you in giving thanks when they don't understand what you're saying? But what does it say in verse 17? You will be given thanks very well. But it won't strengthen the other people that hear you. But you'll be giving thanks to God. So he's just confronting the issue where this church was out of order. He's not saying that you shouldn't pray in tongues. He's saying you just shouldn't do it during the church services, part of the official from the microphone sort of, you know, deal. So we're giving thanks well. We're praying out mysteries. We're building ourselves up. And then in verse 18, Paul says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. The Apostle Paul says, I thank God for this awesome gift of the Holy Spirit. And I've often said that it has changed my life. You know, there's a scripture that says pray without ceasing. And when I didn't have the gift of the Holy Spirit in my prayer language, I would pray for about 10 minutes on the way to work, and I'd done ask God for everything I knew to ask for. <laughs> and I was dry, and I was like, hmm, what do I do now? But then when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, praying in my private prayer language, I could pray in tongues, and then things would be flowing. I might not understand it in my mind, but sometimes he gives the interpretation. Sometimes it just leads to your brain, begins to hook up with your heart. Then I'll pray out in the natural. I sing in the spirit. I sing in the natural. I sing and I pray in the natural, and I sing and I pray in the spirit. And I began to realize there is power in the Holy Spirit. That's when my life and my, my private relationship with Jesus began to change. He is the one that leads us to Christ. He said, I'll show you everything He said unto you. Bring all things to your remembrance. Because He is the Spirit of Christ. Christ. Well, anyway, in the King James, Paul says, I thank God I speak with tongues more than ye all He was so adamant, he said it in a southern accent. <laughs> more than ye all One of the biggest arguments against this is, as they say, that the gifts of the Holy Spirit have passed away. That was for the early church. They needed to get jump-started, I guess. But my question is, passed away? Ain't we trying to build a church? What about our banners? Don't we need the same Holy Spirit? What do you mean, passed away? Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Acts 19, 6 says that when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. You say, why is it important to speak in tongues? Why? Can I be filled with the Holy Spirit without speaking in tongues? Yes. But nobody else will have any evidence of it. <laughs> you know, that, that, that's evidence of it, that... that that's how that's why they when when people want to pray you through until you get your prayer language, they're saying that that's how we know because I remember when I couldn't pray in tongues. I remember trying to talk gibberish. Angie, you remember I, I always remember we was driving along the expressway, I-55, one day, and I just talking like I normally do. Just, I talk a lot of gibberish without putting it all in a row, but it's mostly in English. <clears throat> but <clears throat> I was saying, Angie, Have you ever just tried to speak gibberish? I said, my brain just wouldn't do it. It wouldn't speak something that I didn't make sense of. I really, I I was laughing. This was before I was saved, you see. I was just trying to do it. Then when I got saved, I could sit up here and pray in tongues nonstop forever and never run out of words, never, never. Never. And, and probably not say the same word twice. I know it's God. I'm swimming in that pool. And I know it is the power of God. And, and it's not been passed away. It is here for us today. And so when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. And they, they prophesied. They began to preach under the anointing. And they spoke in other tongues. 2 Timothy 1 6, he's talking to Timothy. He says, This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. So he laid hands on Timothy, obviously. What happened, do you think, when he laid hands on Timothy? He got filled with the Holy Ghost, began to speak in tongues and prophesy. And what does he say? Put it out, put it out. Don't get wild. No, he says, Fan into flames. Let the Holy Spirit be the power. Don't be ashamed of the gospel and the power of the gospel. You say, but that's just Paul. Well, Jesus said in Mark 16, 17, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out devils, and they will speak with new tongues. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you feel that you have the power to cast out devils? Is the devil under your feet? Then you should speak in new tongues. Now, just for clarification, there's different kinds of tongues. On the day of Pentecost, they got filled with the Holy Spirit, and they came out and spoke spoke in actual languages that the people outside could understand. That was a miraculous gift of the Holy Spirit. Then there's tongues and interpretation, which could happen in the church if there's an interpretation, right? If somebody had had an unction from the Holy Ghost, I got to say this, and they, they gave a tongue. And nobody understood, but somebody God gave the interpretation either to that person or to another person, then they interpreted it. I've seen that happen. I've operated that in, in that a couple of times. Not many, but a couple of times. Usually I operate in that when I'm praying and uh. In, in the spirit. And then I begin to sense a, a bigness coming on the prayer. I begin to sense that God wants, uh, the, 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 the prayer language changes. It begins to be more forceful. And then I, I will pray it out. And then he will give me the interpretation and I will speak it out. And God has used that to speak to me. He has used that to build this church. That's where these banners came from from the Holy Spirit speaking to, to the leaders in this church in this, these kind of ways. Fan it into flames. God is wanting you to burn brighter, not to put out the flames. You understand? I don't want to get to heaven and say, God, you know, I went to church every Sunday, and I tried to put out the fire. I didn't want any wildness at church. I wanted to manage everything. He's like, I don't know how he's going to take that. (laughs) I think we severely limit God's power through ignorance and unbelief. Ignorance and unbelief, I'm trying to give you the benefit of the doubt. You just don't know about it? Are you just hesitant to believe? And I'm trying to help you to believe. Because why else would you try to put out the fire of God? Why else? Why would anyone resist the Holy Spirit? But they've been doing it all along. When God said, you stiff-necked people, you do always resist the Holy Ghost. But I'm here to plead with you today. Reconsider if that's you. Examine yourself and say, do I want to stand before God and say, I spent... My time at the church trying to put out the fire or trying to fan the flames. Besides being God, the Holy Spirit is our restoration and resurrection power. I wrote down some things that you might jot down. He's holy. Thus the name Holy Spirit. Holy in the sense that God is holy because he's God. Right? Right? I mean, when we're being holy, that means we're set apart and we're, we're trying to live for him. But God is holy in a different way. He's without fault. The Holy Spirit loves you. He has no, no darkness in him at all. No sense to, to want to do you any harm whatsoever. He is completely holy and trustworthy. He is our spirit. And the seal of our adoption into God's family. He is how we're supposed to know that we're saved. Because I can feel and sense the Holy Spirit working on the inside of me. And he will never leave us or forsake us. Even when we get on his last nerves. Even when we are knuckleheads and resist him. He's still there. Because he loves us. He loves us. And he's always, like I said, pointing us to Jesus. And he's... The one that was sent to... You know, Jesus is is the picture. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit were all spirit before Jesus became flesh. You understand that? We must adapt to spiritual things at some point. He became flesh for us, but he sent the Spirit for us to begin to learn to adapt to spiritual things. We can't just stay in this flesh and be happy in it. We must live in the Spirit where there's life and peace. To be carnally minded is death. Do you understand the difference? The Holy Spirit is here to bring life, not death. And he's pointing us to Jesus, but he never forces himself on us. Some people are like, oh, you know, I'm not opening that door. He'll come on me and I'll run around the church and, and I'll yell and make a fool of myself and I'll never be able to show my face again. He won't do that. He will only do what you give him permission to do. He's gentle. He won't even. He won't even show himself unless you ask him. He and besides, the Bible says that the spirits of the prophets are the, the, the prophets are subject to, what does it say? The spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. In other words, say if I was up here and I I was doing something in the Holy Ghost and all of a sudden I said, I don't want to do that. I get scared. I could just quit. The Holy Spirit is not going to make you do anything. You have control. You have a free will and he honors your free will. So what he is looking for is a willingness. That's good. Willingness. Free will. I shocked myself. He's looking for a willingness. And, and you know, some of us don't get there overnight. Some of us come down to the front, lay hands on us. We start begin to speak in tongues, and from then on we're all in. And, and I personally took a little time to study it out for myself, but when I got comfortable in the privacy of my own bedroom at home with the lights completely out praying, I began to cry out, God, I want everything. I, I'm all in. God I, I I trust you I'm all in I'm not holding back here I am and I felt like a supernatural experience it was it was so dark I had covered the cracks and everything so that no light could get in so I wouldn't be distracted and I don't know what really happened in that room that night I felt like I was floating on the ceiling I don't know if I was or not but it was a supernatural experience and I know from that point on I began to pray I had a prayer language And I began to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, the gifts are found in 1 Corinthians 12, if you want to look look at those. Now, some of them, there are so many gifts. But the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the ones of uh, tongues and interpretation, uh, the gift of knowledge, the word of wisdom, uh, laying on of hands and they shall recover, those kind of things, working of miracles, those kind of things, now, they're given as the Holy Spirit wills. Are you seeing what I'm saying? But if you're not willing, he's not going to use you, right? So what I'm trying to do is get us in position, our will, to match up with the gifts and the giver of the gifts, the Holy Spirit. I'm just rambling today. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do this, but I'm letting the Holy Spirit speak, hopefully. And yes, you can make mistakes trying to operate in the gifts and we have seen that in the churches right and that's why a lot of people say I'm not going for all that because there's been error in the church people trying to make the Holy Spirit you can't make the Holy Spirit do what you want him to do he is in control but if you're willing and obedient you'll eat the good of the land he's the architect of the church and that's what I'm trying to get to today is we can't do this without him people you know I ain't that good a preacher. And you ain't that good looking. No. <laughs> I mean, we're not going to draw people back here to this van junkyard but by our appearance. It's going to be by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's the architect of the church, and he's providing supernatural gifts to build with. He helps us obey the great commission. Wouldn't it be great for you to. When you're ministering to somebody. Have the Holy Spirit leading it. He helps us pray when we're clueless. I talked about that. He's our spirit of revelation. Sharing with us things to come. We're not, we're not caught off guard by everything. When we're in the spirit. We, we, we trust the Holy Spirit. and We listen. and He guides us through the minefields. And he helps us escape temptations. He's the power to overcome sin in your life. He will break those chains of addiction. If you will let him. He wants to help you. He will give you a way of escape. He picks us up when when we fall. He's our comforter. And he's called the spirit of promise. And he's hope personified. You lost your hope. And I guess love being the greatest of all the gifts He is the love of God shared abroad in our heart. My point is the Holy Spirit can be trusted. So are we willing 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Okay, so, what about this issue of being filled with the Holy Spirit? Some people would say, well, those who don't speak in tongues don't have the Spirit. And it's kind of uh, disrespectful to the people who don't believe like we believe, to say you don't have the Spirit. I don't believe that. I believe when you're, when you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit. I believe the issue is not, do I have a little bit of the Holy Spirit or do I have a lot of the Holy Spirit? Like, is this the Spirit dividing himself into little portions? No, I believe the issue is control. How much control do you give the Holy Spirit? Some people that don't believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, don't believe uh, in the private prayer language, very standoffish about the things of the Holy Spirit, well, they don't give Him much control, so they'd have, they're not filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you remember what it says about Jesus? That He was given the Holy Spirit without measure? Why do you suppose that is? Because he wasn't resisting the Holy Spirit. He wanted the same things that God wants. I brought a little illustration. Oh, let's see. I was thinking this is filled with crystal clear water flowing from the throne of God. But this is water. This is, this is representative of Jesus, filled With the Holy Spirit, and God wants to fill us. What do you think will happen if I pour this in there? Are we going to be able to be filled with the Holy Spirit the way it sits now? If if I pour it in there, is all of it all of? Am I going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, or is it going? Something just going to leak out. Why? Because there's something else in there. You can't be filled with the Holy Spirit when you're filled with doubt and unbelief. Or, Grandma says that tongues is from the devil. Or, I, I'm embarrassed of the Holy Spirit and the things, that, things of God that I don't understand. Or, I, you know, I just would rather. Keep things simple. I just, I'm just a Sunday only. The things we tell ourselves, the things we fill ourselves with. But today, I'm just humbly trying to remove some of the obstacles so that God may fill you the way he wants to fill you. Does that make sense? Oh, now when it's, when it's running over, it's for other people. <laughs> John said, I must decrease so that he can increase. At some point, it's got to stop being what I think or what Grandma said. It is what... The Word of God says. Who is the authority in your life? I believe the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the moment that you by faith and trust fully surrender and voluntarily immerse yourself in all that the Holy Spirit has for you. It's by faith. You receive it by faith just like you received your salvation. By faith, you say, Holy Spirit, I do trust you. Have your way in me. Then you can be filled. Say filled. That's the title of today's message. Let it never say that I suppressed the power of God in this church. When Jesus was riding into town on that donkey... I would like to think that I was one of them casting my robes in front of him and putting down palm branches and going to get some more. I would like to say I'd be leading that chorus of saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I would like to think that I was doing all that I can to make the most of all, all who is all in and all. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. But I would like to think that I was all in. Because it was the religious, and the teachers of religious law, the law was saying, keep your disciples quiet, hush them up, don't let them talk like that. Do you hear what they're saying? He says, yeah, I hear what they're saying, and if you were to keep them quiet, even the rocks would cry out. You know, even this earth is groaning, longing for the sons of God to be revealed, Longing for the church to take its place in this earth. Don't make the rocks cry out. You be a rock. You be a Peter. You be a stone in the house of God. Man, I, I hate that I, everywhere I see Jesus did a, a healing or something, there was some religious fella jump up and said, yeah, but you did it on the Sabbath. No wonder the people said, man, You know, I I know the temple ways and the way we've done things in the temple, but I'm leaving the temple. I'm following this guy. Especially those who got healed. Think how much more differently they feel about the power of God now. That they've experienced it. They can put their excuses behind them because they have the experience. And they went with Jesus. I'm crying out for more. Before his ascension into heaven, after his resurrection, Jesus said in Luke 24, 49, And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. And so the disciples went to the upper room. And they stayed approximately 20 minutes, and they said, eh, I'm going to go down to the juke joint, or I'm going to, to the pool hall. I'll be back in a little while. You know, I'll be back next Sunday. Eventually, I'll get it. No. Those disciples, they prayed. They came into one heart, one mind, into one accord together. Longing for more of the things of God. And then on the day of Pentecost. Those mere little 120 in that upper room. Were filled with the Holy Ghost. And began to speak in other tongues and prophesy. And 3,000 people were led to Christ. That day. That day. At Passion Church we desire three Ps. I wrote this down presence of God, the power of God and we believe that will lead to the people of God but unless we open our hearts to the supernatural natural ways of the Holy Spirit we might as well be coming to church in our boyong jackets new wine requires new wine skins God's not going to become natural for us again, it's time we embrace his supernatural and be filled maybe if Jesus would have just stuck to the script the, the religious people would have liked him he would have been welcome in the synagogues he, he wouldn't have caused no trouble but is that who you gave your life to? is that who you pledge pledging your life to? a timid Jesus that stays in his place that puts limits, are we we limiting God? Are we putting him in a box? Well, when I got home with my new cowboy hat and my new boyong jacket, I thought I'd go down a couple blocks from there. It was a little girl I'd been sparking on. And I thought I'd show her my new get up. And so I said, Mama, I'm going down the street. She said, take your little brother. I said, Mama, no, I'm going by myself. She said, I'm fixing to leave in a minute. you got to take your little brother. I said, all right, go get your jacket. He wouldn't put his boy young jacket on, his hat on. We go walking down the sidewalk. It's about two blocks away. Like I said, it's, it's about 90 degrees. We get to this girl's house. We're sweating, sweat beads rolling down her face, Take off that hat and it's just like just wet hair. I knock on the door. And I hear some moving around. I see curtains move and, But I don't see the door open. So I knock again. And I knocked and I knocked and I don't understand why. But that girl didn't come out. <laughs> she would not come out of the house that day. Why do I say this? Because people won't open the door to their hearts if we're standing there in our ridiculously ineffective man-made get-ups. We think people want to see us a certain way, but they're looking for the power just like we should be. They want to see something different. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.